Hey everyone, it is Nick here. Welcome to Scale Up. Me on the mic today, and we're going to get into a topic which I've been having a number of conversations about recently, which always inspires me to then share those conversations with you, my listeners, because I know a lot of the stuff that I'm investigating in the world of business, scaling up, M&A, exits, that sort of thing is of interest to you. So the topic today is really about flipping businesses, right? Can you flip businesses like you can in real estate? Now, I'll get into definitions and all that sort of stuff in a second because some of you are thinking, what the, what's he talking about? Well, I'm not an expert in real estate and I do not uh, profess to be one. I have a lot of friends who are. And we, we got into a conversation recently about, you know, with all the changes that are happening in the world, so much kind of wealth transfer, people retiring, the whole baby boomers thing, the fact that by 2030, you know, the majority of people who were considered baby boomers will have reached retirement age. What's going to happen to their businesses? Is there going to be this huge opportunity to go out there and buy these companies and effectively flip them quickly in the same way you can do with real estate? So I thought, well, why don't I talk about that and give you a few perspectives, my thoughts on the topic and I suppose the difference between buying a company, buying a business that you want to sell on quickly for various reasons versus buying a business as a longer term investment or asset. So let's get into the definitions first. So let's talk about flipping in general in the context of real estate. So it's a quite common for people to go out there and buy a, a home, a house, commercial property, whatever it is, and effectively buy it cheap, do some remedial work to that property, and then sell it. Okay, so the idea is that you buy something low, you buy an asset which is undervalued potentially, and you sell it quickly, making a return on that whole transaction. So the obvious one here is buying a house that needs significant renovation. It might be in a great street, a great location. Uh, you go in there, you buy it cheap because it needs to have that work done to it. You know, you fix the walls, you do some painting and decorating. Uh, hopefully there's nothing more untoward with things like subsidence and things like that happening. But either way, you go in there and you fix that house and then you put it back on the market and you sell that and you make a return. Now, flipping businesses is similar because you are trying to buy a business for the lowest possible price and you are betting on the fact that you can do some stuff to that business that hasn't been done, which is going to increase the value before you sell it. But there are some pretty important distinctions which I kind of want to go over and I think probably some risks on the business flipping side versus the real estate side. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that there are parallels on, of course, but the distinctions are important. So the first thing I want to say is that there is definitely a strategy out there of buying businesses cheap, turning them around quickly, and then exiting them. Now you could argue that that's what private equity does, right? Private equity will buy a platform business It'll go through a period of what is called value expansion. It'll focus on increasing revenues, reducing costs, adding other businesses to that business to create a group, so acquisitions. It'll then focus on multiple expansion and then it will sell. But the difference in real estate is the liquidity 
that exists within the market. Now, what I mean by that is anything that has high liquidity means that it can be converted into cash more readily than something that has low liquidity. Okay, so uh, if you buy a house and you do it up, putting it on the market is quite quick, right? There's already a very clear ecosystem of how you do that. You may not sell it quickly, but the ability to put it on the market and have buyers ready, you can kind of predict that. The other thing that's interesting about real estate in my mind is it has very clear parameters around value, right? So you kind of know what a, what a house is worth based on a lot of transactions that have happened previously, et cetera, in a certain area. You also know the top ends of valuations within any given market. Now, there are exceptions to that rule, and I'm sure there are real estate people out there throwing tomatoes at me right now. But, you know, in principle, it's there. Like I have, you know, bought and sold property over my lifetime, and I've always found it quite easy to be able to put a house on the market and effectively get offers straight away. Now, in business, that can happen. But as I've said beforehand, if you've got a business that's, say, doing under 10 million in revenue, right, still a reasonable business, you know, not a lot of businesses get to an eight-figure sum, only 20% on average of those businesses actually sell, right? Whereas if you get over the eight-figure mark, that reverses around seven to eight out of 10 will sell, okay, versus two out of 10. So just think about that for a second. That's not the same as in real estate, right? Even, even the lower value properties still sell if they're positioned well in the right market. So if you're expecting to buy a business for a low valuation in order to be able to flip it quickly, there is a potential risk there, right? Because, you know, as I said, that, that level of liquidity doesn't exist. So you might buy something, you might be able to do it up effectively, increase the value of it. But if it's still below certain thresholds where the market opens up, you know, certainly to financial and strategic buyers, then, you know, you are, you're going to be stuck with this thing. Now that might be okay, but it kind of goes against the principle of flipping, which is usually turning something over more quickly. And people who professionally flip real estate have a number of different assets going on at any one time. And they're flipping, flipping these, these um, properties all the time. And that's how they're making money. They may not be making as much money per transaction as you can by flipping a business. And I'll get into that in a second, but they have a volume play going on. Okay. And that's another important distinction. So the thing about, you know, growing value in a business and why it's different and also why the value can be broader is that as much as there is a playbook to understanding business value, and we've talked about this previously, that the financial part of it, you know, the financial performance of a business is about 40% of the value, but how you build the company, right? You know, the, the, the people that run it, the processes, the structures, the quality of the customer base, the brand, the culture, all of those things have a very, very high impact on the value of a business. So, so if you think about that, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that there is always a range similar to real estate within any given market that a, a, a business can be valued between, right? And that's normally a multiple of profit of EBITDA in most cases. But there are exceptions to the rule where businesses can not sell, like I mentioned, and there are points where businesses can be so uniquely positioned, so well-structured that they hit higher points of the multiple. And, you know, in real estate, you might get an increase, a percentage increase in terms of a value, but you don't get these massive multiple transitions. And the best way to understand that is to understand that private equity in the round will always look to triple or quadruple 
their investment. It's called an ROIC, return on invested capital. So that level of return is huge. Could you imagine buying a property and tripling the um, the value, if you like, or tripling the return that you got from that within 36 months? I mean, it does happen, but not to the extent that it happens in business in that level of predictability. Okay. So, so my sort of view on this, you know, this is not a long episode. I just wanted to kind of go through it, is you have to understand really the challenges and pitfalls and things to avoid, right? So there are expenses that come into things. There are operational difficulties. There are often bigger legal issues and things like that that can happen when you buy a business. They do exist in property, but they can be potentially seen well in advance, whereas in in business it's a bit different. Um, The idea of going and buying something cheap and not doing due diligence on it beforehand has higher risk. Now, due diligence doesn't have to be this huge elongated process where you're lifting up all the rocks on a business, but you don't want to buy a lemon, right? You don't want to buy something that has a huge legal issue in it that you didn't see and you didn't put a warranty or indemnity on that issue with the seller, right? So they take on that liability. Imagine buying something, even if you buy it cheap, but then the whole business is, you know, virtually worthless because of these situations that you didn't see or analyze in advance. Now, again, a property you might you buy might have a similar sort of thing going on to it, but it feels to me that the systems and the structures are a little bit more precise and set up in real estate because of the volume of transactions. Whereas every business transaction has its own uniqueness, its own quirks, certainly the ones that I've been involved in over a hundred, and that takes a little bit more time to assess. So I'll finish this off by saying I had a fantastic conversation this week around this topic. And the person I was speaking to is an absolute expert on real estate flipping, which is why I suppose the inspiration of this this episode came from that conversation. And he was saying that surely if you can buy a business that's significantly undervalued. So let's say it's a business that on any given market, like when you look at the range, it's worth say five to six times EBITDA, okay, on average. It could be worth more, it could be worth a little bit less, but a little bit less means, let's say, four times, okay? But you can get that business for, say, two times EBITDA, right? So it's really undervalued for whatever reason. Surely you just buy it, right? You just buy it and you've got it so cheap that there can't be too many issues with it because, you know, if the profit is so high, right, and again, we're talking about a business that's probably got a bit of scale, not just something that's worth a couple hundred grand. Um, and this particular business is worth eight figures, just to give you some context. Surely you just take the risk. This was the argument. And what I said is you can take certainly more risk when you are buying something, an asset like that, cheaper. Absolutely. But you still have to validate, qualify that the business is even worth the two times. Right, you have to be able to do that. Now, for example, if that business has, you know, the founder in it, and the founder is the bottleneck, the relationship person with all of the customers, and all of a sudden, as soon as he or she goes, they leave, right? Or key staff leave, and you're sort of stuck there with this thing that, you know, on paper the 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 financials look great, but it can't run. It's like the car that looks beautiful without an engine in it. And you've got to now go and find, build, 
an engine, right? And the cost of doing that might be substantial that you're all of a sudden that two times profit is now up into the four times because you've had to spend so much money to get the business back on track, right? Again, parallel that across to real estate. Now there will be issues in in properties that are being sold on the cheap, but I do wonder as to whether some of the the things I mentioned beforehand about losing all of your customers, so therefore losing all of your revenue overnight, potentially is a significantly higher risk. Mm. So we went back and forwards on that. So I'm going to, I'm not going to answer that today. I'm going to leave you pondering that as you consider this, this idea of flipping businesses. But what I will say to finish is that, you know, more millionaires and billionaires come from private equity because they are experts at value expansion, which is a, a fancy way of saying business flipping. They don't do it super quickly all the time. They're not buying a business and selling it within six months or 12 months. There's usually a window of three to five years. But the reason that they do it is because they can create significantly more value because of those multiples, those, those doubling, tripling, quadrupling dynamics that exist within the business buying and selling market. So my advice to all of you acquisition entrepreneurs out there is look at investments, look at buying businesses through two lenses, look at the short-term return, right? Look at a business that you can buy, do your due diligence. You might be able to buy it cheap and flip it quickly because I've seen situations where if you're really good at deal sourcing, you can take a business off the market in what we call uh, an off-market deal. And if you've done your research into the buying market above where you are, you can take that deal to a private equity firm, for example, if it's of a certain scale, and you can make money effectively by not even doing the deal. Now, the way you do that, do that is you put that business under an exclusivity LOI for 90 days as you're doing due diligence. And at the same time, you can start to look at a potential buyer above the chain for that. Now, <clears throat> I don't advise this um, from a, an ethical point of view all the time because quite often when you're buying a business off a distressed seller, it's all about the rapport. So if you're suddenly going to flip that in 90 days or whatever it is, 180 days, then that's not great, right? And they might find that very uh, challenging, which could put risk on the business, but it can be done and it has been done. The better play, the better play is a hold, in my opinion. It's a, it's a value build from a hold. So instead of trying to flip a business quickly, give yourself that 36 months. That's the time, the average that I recommend. And over that time, look at all of the different components of value expansion that private equity use, the revenue build, the profit build, the acquiring, the strategic partnerships, the looking at debt and capital structuring. And then ultimately, the most important one is that multiple expansion. Because if you give yourself that runway, you get intentional about it, you build the right team around you. The returns are so big that, you know, you're going to forget about the fact it took a little bit longer. Is it business flipping? Don't know. You decide on that. Is it similar to real estate flipping? Absolutely it is. But the key thing here is you've just got to understand the differences, the similarities, the risks, the opportunities. Either way, both are fantastic strategies, plays to be able to build wealth. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Bye for now. 
Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you've enjoyed the show just as much as I've enjoyed creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me, it helps the show, plus it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything that you heard in today's show, to find out how you can join our community on Facebook or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now.